you put in the effort for years, like you're going to be so happy that you didn't give up, right? You're going to be like, fuck yeah, like I didn't give that up. And now look at this amazing community. Now look at all the shit that I have. And so I always come back to that. It's like, even if it's embarrassing right now, just think about what people are going to say when it's like two years down the line, you're fucking thriving. Welcome or welcome back to the Elevated Podcast hosted by Lisa Battaglia. You are joining a community of elevated empaths who embrace their duality, honor their empathic superpowers, and live consistently from their authentic soul. The Elevated Podcast tackles conversations around empathy, energy work, sexual energy, manifestation, and social and cultural insights. Thank you for tuning in to the Elevated Podcast and taking the time to nourish your roots and elevate your soul. Let's get into it. Elevation Nation, welcome or welcome back. I'm your host, Lisa. This is the Elevated Podcast. Welcome back for another episode. I am so glad that you're here. If you follow me anywhere, you know that we have been talking a lot about entrepreneurship and building a business and how to create and lead a business as an elevated, erotic, empathic entrepreneur. This week, in fact, we launched a free community for elevated entrepreneurs, business owners, or anyone remotely interested in starting a business to connect and network with other entrepreneurs, give and receive business tips, and share business building insights. The link to join is in the description below. It's totally free, and we will be covering all types of topics budgeting, balancing the masculine and feminine, financials, taxes, business plans, using the Akashic records to tap into your business, leading a pleasure-based business, using your menstrual cycle to connect to your business, sacred sales, attracting ideal clients, and more. In light of our discussions around entrepreneurship lately, we have one of my favorite entrepreneurs on the podcast today, Maddie Mayo. Maddie is not only one of my college roommates and best friends, but also the co-founder of the new travel recommendation app, Camber, and the co-host of the OKSIS podcast. In her off hours, you can also find her reviewing romance novels on her TikTok. We discuss navigating your early 20s, finding your voice online, the reality of entrepreneurship, expressing your duality, using manifestation for your business, and starting your business. And Maddie had so many beautiful insights to share on this episode all about entrepreneurship. So I know that you're going to love this episode. Don't forget to follow, rate this podcast, share it with your favorite empath or entrepreneur, and let me know what you think about this episode. Let's get into it. Hello, Maddie. Hello, Lise. Welcome to the Elevated Podcast. I'm so excited that you're here. I am so excited to be here. I'm an elevated empath as well. So I'm ready to talk about empathy. Hell yeah. So if our listeners don't know, and if they've listened to the Jackie episode or the Caitlin episode, they may have heard Maddie's name mentioned once or twice. <laughs> Maddie is the completion of the the quad that lived in the upstairs at Vista Mag. So, uh, so if you haven't listened to those episodes, go listen to those. Cause you'll get a good context of Maddie. I um, love your, in your notes for this episode, you wrote people might know Maddie ha- dash stripper. <laughs> <laughs> like, great. Love that so Maddie me. was the one that ordered a stripper for Caitlin Kinsella's birthday. Yeah. Do you want to tell people, should we just jump into it there? Sure. 
why not start with strippers? Yeah, so Caitlin was turning 20, which is like really not even that remarkable of an age <laughs> or year. But I just felt, I felt compelled. Something within me told me we need to hire a stripper. And I don't even know where I looked. I think I just Googled stripper, male stripper. And it was exactly how you imagined. Like they had you fill out like what type of um, profession, like fake profession you wanted the stripper to be. So I said policeman, of course, because I wanted it to be like, he was going to do like a whole skit where he was like going to tell us to quiet the noise. And oh my God, it was just absurd. So, and just for context, our friend group is like, not I don't know like we're silly and crazy but we're not like male stripper vibes you know what I mean like it was very off-brand for our group but (laughs) I just thought it would be such a funny story and look at us talking about it like 10 years fucking later so it was a great story so we so Damien the infamous Damien uh knocks on the door (laughs) and uh he says ladies um, you're being a little too loud in here. And then, <laughs> then Caitlin caught on very quickly and was like, I'm out of here. Like, no, 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 this is not for me. She started like crying. She went upstairs, but we had already paid Damien. So we were like, look, Caitlin, like you have your moment upstairs and crying, but like, we do have him for the full three hours. So like <laughs> we will indulge. So we end up like all in a circle and Damien is just giving us all lap dances. And it was, it was, I've never laughed so hard in my life. Like it was so weird. And he was yeah. so sweaty. Like we all needed a joint shower afterwards because it was just so disgusting. But, you know, long live Damien. <laughs> long live Damien. <laughs> Long live Damien. And then we found him on YouTube like some years later. Yes. We saw, <laughs> didn't we see it in like David Dobrik's YouTube or something? Like we thought, yeah. oh my gosh, we, Damien is probably still stripping his way through, through LA. Through uh, LA. We need to like send him a Yelp review or something. Maybe I should have him on the podcast. <sighs> Why didn't I ever think of this before? Uh hundred percent you need it on spot oh that's hilarious (laughs) that is so funny yeah i mean you're the you're the infamous infamous damien buyer buyer yeah i was the or i was the orchestrator of the day you were the orchestrator and that brings me into you know the first thing i wanted to talk about because i wanted to talk Mm -hmm. about some really great i wanted to start off with some really great mads and lisa memories We've been okay. together for, gosh, how long have we known each other? Nine years? I guess it's, Eight? Yeah, it must be nine years. Because we yeah. met in, was it like sophomore year? Because I transferred to USC and we met sophomore year of USC right when I right when I transferred. What was it like to transfer to USC? I was just so excited to be there. Um, I went to NYU my freshman year of college and I thought that was like my place. I thought it was going to be the best experience of my life. And it ended up really being, I look back and it was probably one of the most challenging years of my life. And honestly, I was just so excited to like see the sunshine and just to (laughs) be amongst college, actual college students. Like at NYU, it is just not, you know, I never thought I needed a campus or wanted that type of uh, experience, but 
when you go to USC, there is a reason people seek that out, that community and that camaraderie. So I was just like, I need to meet anyone and everyone. I'm so excited to be here. So it was challenging for sure, but it was, it was like, I was willing to struggle because I knew the alternative was, you know, my terrible experience at, at NYU. So. It's so funny to think that you didn't want that campus, like campusy life, because (laughs) I'm just thinking about what you came into as a USC girl, you know? Yeah. Oh, it was like complete opposite. It was a whole shock, but uh, cause I, I'm not really like, you know, a rah, rah school spirit girl, but I just really understood why people gravitate towards that. There is something about when you're first leaving home, you just need to be implanted into another really, really insular community. It's just a nice yeah. way. And with NYU, you are like, just kind of just shit out into the city and it is a lot for an 18 year old so yeah yeah, I I just at USC I was like I am ready to just be amongst amongst the 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 USC camaraderie I'm like ready for it so it was it was a shock but it was um yeah like I I just I slipped right in USC is so good at welcoming you into the Trojan family. But it is yeah. true. Like it does feel very, very family-esque. So how did we meet? Through Caitlin? It was through Caitlin. So I, you know, rushed Delta, Delta, Delta. Yeah. Don't mind me. I'm a sorority gal. You're, you're a sorority uh, so girl. I, I, yeah. So I rushed because I, I just needed friends, honestly. I just wanted to meet people. And then I met Caitlin in Tridelt. And I honestly then dropped out of Tridel because I was like, okay, I met, I met the people, I met the friend, and now I don't need to be in this sorority anymore. So that's, yeah, that's how I, I met you was through Caitlin. And then uh, we lived together, obviously, lived in the same yeah. house, the infamous Vista Mag. But yeah, I wanted to talk about some good, like, what is your favorite Lisa and Mads memory? I know I have mine. I'd love to hear what Ooh, comes to mind wait. first. <laughs> There's been so many, wait, what is yours? And then maybe it'll trigger something. Mine was teaching you how to put the menstrual cup in or the disc. Oh my <laughs> God. Yes. Yes. Okay. So yes, there was this time where I was like on my period and I wanted to have sex with this guy. And I was like, I don't want it to just, you know, be a mess. I don't want it to be a mess. And you were home. It was just like us two at home. And you were like, oh no, I have these things called like menstrual cups where it just holds all your blood. And then like you can have sex and it doesn't come out. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Like I'd rather just not have sex, but I just thought it was so funny that we, and then you were outside my door. It was like a typical, like first time I'm putting in a tampon type of thing. And you were like, okay, squish it up there. Shut it up. It'll suction cup into your vagina. And oh my God, it was it was terrifying. And then I pull it up there and it's there, but there was no way I was having sex with that thing in. Like there, it was so uncomfortable. I, I felt it within me. It was terrible. So, um, we ended up not having sex that night because I was just like, I can't do it with this fucking thing. And then, I mean, TMI, but here we are. The, when I took it out, I remember, I think you were also with me. It was like Noah's Ark. Like it was like a flood. <laughs> I was like, this is so disgusting. Like why do people subject themselves to this? But yeah, that was a great memory. Yes. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're like, you're right. That was it. <laughs> that you're was right. my that favorite was one. 
Because I was like yelling at you. Yeah, I was like coaching you through it. You were coaching me. You were definitely coaching me. Um, I'm trying to think. There was one memory where I was having sex with a different guy. This is seeming like I'm like, you know, I sleep around a lot. This is not the case. I've had sex with like five men. And it was, I was having just these two weird. times that you had sex. <laughs> I was yeah. always in, involved. <laughs> we I was like hooking up with this guy and then remember it was when we realized that both of the guys we were hooking up with lived in the same house in the same apartment (laughs) (laughs) and we we, like literally this was I think before we or we had just met we didn't really know each other that well but then later on we realized that like we were probably having sex in the same a apartment at the same time but we didn't know that they lived together or we didn't know that each other was there but we had right. put it two and two together like later on when we became friends that was the funniest realization because i think we were both screaming crying <laughs> and because we at the same time we both yelled at each other the spiral staircase <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah. And just also, I mean, you and I have shared a love of rap music. You were the only one in our friend group that really enjoyed rap music. So we would always listen to like Drake together, you know, basic bitch stuff. But then we would rap to Blood on the Leaves by Kanye West, which is like our song. And just delightful times of us being hooligans in college. Yeah. So we lived together and then we didn't live mm-hmm. together. And then we became mm-hmm. adults. And yeah, you have started so many incredible things, which I want to get into. Because I think a lot of people listening, I mean, myself included, can learn so much from you and what you've built, um, not just on social media and in community, but like businesses. So I would love to talk about your journey out of college until now. Um, because I know that we used to have a lot of talks about you and I are very similar where we want to create like all these amazing things. And we have this, uh, insatiable drive to create all these things. And I remember that was something that we talked about before you even started all these things. So I'd love to talk about that journey coming out of college and going into Mm -hmm. this stuff. So my early 20s, this is my favorite topic to discuss because it signals to my brain how much I have progressed and evolved because I would say that my early 20s was some of the most lost and depressed years of my life. And it's so interesting because as our as our Lord and Savior Tinks says, uh, the 20s. <laughs> your 20s are the most mismarketed decade. And I feel that so wholeheartedly. I was always, I never really related to this narrative of like, when you're in your 20s, you're the hottest, you're gonna have like the best friends, you're gonna be, you know, have the best career. And you're just, you know, you're the youngest, you're in your, your prime of your life. And I was like, I don't feel that at all. You know, I feel very lost. I don't know what my quote unquote purpose is. You know, we both went to USC, we went to uh, we were surrounded by high performers, high achievers, and especially at the business school that I was in at, Mar- at USC and Marshall, like everyone around me was like, oh, I'm going to be going into consulting or I'm going into finance or whatever. And they were so steadfast in what they wanted. Look, I 
I guarantee you they don't even want that, but that's just what they were saying and they were just trying to prove it. But I was very insecure because I didn't know what I wanted and I didn't really understand my strengths. I mean, I grew up doing theater my entire life and then I abandoned it literally right before college. So I had no idea, like theater was my only roadmap. And then I quit basically. And I was like, well, what, who am I? What am I? And I remember calling my sister when everyone at like senior year, everyone was like, oh, you're not doing like consulting interviews. Like, wait, you're like way behind. Like, why haven't you scheduled them or whatever? And I was like, I started crying to my sister. I'm like, I'm so behind. I, I, I haven't done this. And she was like, you don't want to be a consultant, Mads. Like, you don't want to be in finance. And I, I was like, oh, right. Like, I didn't, I was so, so lost. I had no idea what I was supposed to be doing or where I was supposed to turn. So that's, that's kind of all to say, like, I only say this because I want people who are listening in their early twenties. If you like feel lost, it's so normal. I don't understand this narrative of like, you have to have it all figured out by 25. It's insane. Or even by 30, like really, you should not have to have that pressure. So yeah, it was, it was really difficult. I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I always wanted to start my own thing, but again, there was no, there was no sign of what that was for me. So, you know, I worked in several tech companies, which was pretty serendipitous because then it made me realize that I do love adding like a technology aspect to an industry that like isn't technological. So I worked in like fashion and interior design, but bringing technology to those, to those industries. So I also just learned a lot about what I didn't like. Right. And I think that's so important in your twenties is also understand like listening to signals of, Oh, right. That, that doesn't work for me. That's, that is not a waste of time. That is literally you understanding which road to take. And I think I thought a lot of that was a waste of time. I was like, Oh God, I don't like this. Like, why am I wasting my time? Whereas now I can see those as gifts of like, Oh shit, that was a really great learning lesson. Or that was an amazing tip for me for not for what not to do. Right. So yeah, I and I remember talks with you. I've I've had talks with so many people that in my early 20s of like I don't know where it is. What is the purpose? What is why isn't it coming to me? And it's so interesting cuz I know we're going to talk about like manifestation. I just recently got into manifestation in the past like 2 years or so. But honestly, I was when I think back, like I was trusting in the the universe. I know like I roll my eyes when I say the universe, but (laughs) I do believe that there, there was this trust that I had. I was like, it's going to come to me. I'm going to just keep doing this and I'm going to keep learning, keeping my eyes open, staying curious. And then it did come to me, right? Like it came to me in the form of, okay, sis, which really started this whole journey of self-exploration for myself. And being on the internet, being vulnerable on the internet, I was, I was really hesitant to start the podcast. And my sister, I was like, what do I have to say? You know, how many, how many women run podcasts are there with two girl co-hosts interviewing female founders? Like so many. Right. And so I was like, this is too saturated. I don't have anything to say. And thank God I didn't listen to that because (laughs) it ended up that I had a lot to say (laughs) and that it then <laughs> snowballed into this incredible both community in terms of the listeners, in terms of the, you know, the women that have 
been so impacted by the podcast, but then also the network that I've gained from the women that I've spoken to as guests on the podcast. So mm-hmm. it it was so interesting because I I really did have to, I'm the most impatient person and I really had to trust the patience and the the timing of how this all manifested itself. Um, because honestly, I would have never thought a podcast was the answer, right? Like I had mm. to wait for that realization to come. And it makes so much sense. Like I grew up doing theater, like this is kind of another evolution of performance in a way, right? So it makes complete sense. And, and it's, it's the perfect, uh, it was the perfect project that I was waiting for. I love that it kind of came to you in that form. Mm -hmm. And what a beautiful story. I think so many people are going to resonate with a lot of things that you said of just feeling so impatient. Like, where is it? I'm supposed to have it figured out. Like, we're told that all the time. I still feel that way. So I want to talk about OK Sis a little bit Mm -hmm. and how that came to you and how that evolved. Yeah. I, my sister had her own podcast and it was so interesting because I would like eye roll at her because I was like, I'm the one that listens to podcasts. Like you don't even listen to podcasts. I was a huge, I was a huge podcast fan before it was popular. This was like, this was like maybe seven years ago. This was like back when podcasts weren't as, you know, as established as they are now. And I also, she was, my sister is such a, when she has her mindset to something, like she just fucking goes for it. She doesn't think about it too much. And I know we're going to talk about advice for starting a business, starting a project, anything. And I know this is like so annoying to say, and everyone says this on podcast, on everything, but you just have to start. You have to start with the most, the smallest step, which is telling someone about it. Honestly holding yourself accountable in that way. It's so fucking scary. Believe me, I've done it so many times and it is so fucking scary each time. And my sister, she came to me and she says, we need to do something together. I was a guest on her podcast. And she said, we are so silly together. We have this chemistry. We have this banter, obviously as sisters. And I think we should start a podcast together. And I, I, you know, as I said, I kind of like was a little hesitant. I was like, you know, I'm I love podcasts. Like, I don't know if I could do the medium justice. Like, I don't feel like I'm eloquent enough. It just, it kind of, it hit on every insecurity of mine of not Mm -hmm. sounding smart enough, not sounding eloquent, being judged for my thoughts, like not not being silly enough, not being entertaining enough, all these things. And honestly, it was so out of character for me because I am a very big planner. But my sister was like, no, 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 we got, we just like, let's do it. And I just, what it, what shifted for me was I thought about all the podcasts I listened to and all of them are talking about the same shit. Like I've listened to maybe five different pop culture podcasts. There's only so much pop culture that happens in the week. But what I love is the host's perspectives and what their thoughts are on the topic. So I said, you know what? Like that makes, that makes sense. Maybe I have a perspective or a voice on topics that maybe have been touched on before. Obviously, these female founders have been interviewed before, but I could bring something out of them that they might not, whatever. So that is what it what the impetus was. And we literally decided and then put up the podcast in like two days. It was wow. no planning, no thinking. And I don't really recommend this as much, but 
what it taught me is that, and since then, it has been integral for my journey with Camber and my journey with creating my own company. You know, my sister is such a, I'm going to jump off the fucking cliff. And if there's a parachute, great. Like we'll, we'll figure out where the parachute comes from, you know? And I was not like that. I was like, make sure I'm strapped in, make sure I got the parachute. I want to make sure I safety tested it. And we didn't do any of that. And it was the biggest blessing because it taught me to not overthink as much. And, um, yeah. So then, so then we, and you can probably attest to this, like podcasting, I always say is the biggest scam because you can literally reach out to any role model of yours and be like, Hey, can I have an hour of your time to ask you any (laughs) question I want? In what other scenario would this person do that? Like it is so remarkable. So honestly, a big part of it was like, I want to speak to these amazing women and these founders and learn maybe a little bit about what I want to do in life, you know? So it was kind of even an Mm. exploration thing, right? Um, You know, I wanted to talk to big CEOs or founders or uh, investors. Like I wanted to really absorb a lot of topics and a lot of women's stories. So that was the, the impetus for me. The ancillary benefit was that this community grew and people started loving my sister and my relationship and the banter we have and just the silliness, but also, you know, the seriousness. It's, it's this perfect blend of, of humor and, and, uh, you know, intention because we, you know, we talk about mental health a lot. My sister has bipolar disorder. So we, we touch on mental health. We touch on pop culture. We touch on female entrepreneurship. We talk, we touch on pop culture and, and like all of these realms and I think the women that listen are like, oh, wow, finally, something that kind of envelops all of me. Um, and I feel like mm-hmm. we've talked about this before, of like the polarity of oneself. And I think I really started to notice that in therapy when I started going to therapy about three years ago. Um, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, but I struggle a lot with there's one side of me that is like so pragmatic business oriented, you know, like very intentional and mindful. Then there's this side of me that's like fucking nuts, crazy, like just wants to go party, sleep in, be a loaf of bread, like just and loud and cusses a lot, you know? And it, I've always either lived in one or the other in every realm of my life. And my therapist was like, instead of trying to suppress one side to let the other shine, like, how do we integrate those two sides of yourself? So you don't live in like constant shame and happiness at the same time. It was, it was a very strange thing in my head when I was like business oriented. I'm like, no, I want to insert some silliness here. But then when I was silly, I was like, you're lazy. You're not serious enough. You're not motivated enough. And all these shame spiral. So I, that is also something I've been really, really working on in my later twenties that I think came up because of the podcast for sure. Yeah. Mm. So many juicy things in there. I got full body chills when you said that this podcast kind of brought up every one of your insecurities of like, what if I'm not silly enough? What if I'm not businessy enough? What if I'm not, what if I don't have anything to say? Because I felt that way 
coming into this podcast too. And I just decided to do it. And Mm -hmm. even if, because what I have found in building anything is the fear is always going to be there, but it's whether you can just get past it or not, just do it anyways, because the fear is an indicator that it's meant for you. If you weren't a little bit afraid, it wouldn't be challenging enough for you. I read this. Um, I don't know if you've read the 101 essays to to change the way you think by Brianna Weist. Oh my God, you would love it. She talks, it, yeah, like struggle is inevitable. Like fear and struggle and challenge is inevitable. You're not going to be able to bypass those things as much as you try. Mm-hmm. So what do you want to struggle for? What is the thing that you are that is worth struggling for, for you. And that I keep coming back to all the time. And the podcast and Camber are things that I'm, I'm fine struggling for and, and Mm -hmm. fine getting over fear for. Yeah, absolutely. What you said about, there are so many different pop culture podcasts, but you like certain people's perspective on it. And I think that was so clear when you interviewed Elisa Vitti, because Elisa Vitti has been on so many podcasts And you can go look up all the things that Elisa Vitti has done. But she even said when she was talking to you guys that like, this is one of my favorites that I've done. And Elisa Vitti has done so many up until the time that you spoke to her. So I think that was a testament. Mm -hmm. Someone so incredible like Elisa Vitti could say that about your podcast, that it was something special. That is the number one thing I tell pretty much anyone who ever has a question about something that I've done is like, you just have to start. And just stop talking about it and do it, um, exactly. which I know it like it is such an annoying answer because everyone says that, but it is where the secret lies. Yeah, and it's just if you if you tell someone and then and then they come back at you like a month later and they're like, oh, how's the how's the thing? And you're like, how embarrassing that you're gonna be like, oh, I didn't do it. Like, no, you need like if you are really yeah. serious about this, you need to tell someone, and it's gonna be fucking scary, but it's the only way to hold yourself accountable. So now whenever I want to do something, I always say it on the podcast because I'm just like, if I say it on the podcast, then it has to happen because, because it has to like the YouTube, the YouTube channel. I said it on the podcast. I'm like, I'm going to start a YouTube channel. I have no idea what to do. I don't I didn't know anything, any editing. I didn't have the camera, nothing, but I just said it on the podcast because I really wanted to do it. And I was fearful, but I knew that when I said it on the podcast, then I would actually follow through. So find that yeah. like person, find that platform that you could say it and then it'll go into motion. You know, when we talk about manifestation and co-creating your reality with the universe, but that is what it is, right? You are literally putting it into motion because when you say it to someone that you're fe- you you care what they think and what and that you care how they view you you're going to start to act accordingly and actually follow through it's it's yeah. so it's so crazy let's talk about manifestation mads yeah. because you said you've gotten into it in the past couple of years and i know that you've done some of lacey phillips work yes my god lacey phillips i you know it's so funny it's kind of the universe i call I say Lacey, like, I'm like, what would Lacey do? <laughs> like, I literally, I'm like, whenever I'm in, a, a test comes to me, I'm like, Lacey, I got you, girl. And I know, I know. What you're doing. <laughs> Lacey is universe. Yeah. Well, she was such a, see, she's such a pioneer. She really was like, mm-hmm. I don't like this type of manifestation. I'm going to kind of create my own. 
I would love to talk about how you started to investigate this realm Mm -hmm. and when you started to see, oh, maybe there's something magical here. I have a lot of thoughts on manifestation. So my sister is very spiritual and very, very spiritual. And I'm really not. I'm not religious. I'm not spiritual. I don't really understand it as much. And she was telling me about Lacey Phillips and how I would like her vibe. She was like, believe me, just look at her website. Just look. Because every other person that my sister has given me, um, like spiritual people, I, I don't know. The, the, the Honestly, I'm just like, I'm a branding whore. So it's like the brand is just... They are like pink and like very like floral. I don't know something. I'm just like, I don't, I don't resonate with this. So yeah, when I looked at Lacey Phillips, I was like, okay, this girl is like Jenny Kane vibes. She is so chic and her whole like just life and aura is just, I, I just felt so connected to her in some weird way. Everything was black and white. Like it was all neutrals. And I was like, okay, I'm in. And the second round, that, that w- that's what really like hooked me. And then I read a little bit more about her approach. And the reason I really felt called to it was because she has a very large emphasis on the science and the biology of manifestation, which calms me, you know, soothes me a little because then it feels a lot more tangible to me. Um, she talks, you know, about neuroplasticity and the neural pathways in your brain and just a lot about subconscious and and how we how that's really what navigates our our whole being and how we are. So I felt very comfortable with that because I just felt a little soothed. My my um hesitation was calmed by by her being like, This is science backed, like this is proof. So that was that. And then I started getting into it and, you know, it wasn't what I thought it was. Like I thought it was like this, you know, spiritual, like just, you know, think positive and go through your life. And, but it was a lot about just examining. It was, it felt a lot about like therapy. It felt a lot like meditation. It just felt this, like, it just wasn't what I saw on Instagram with the very spiritual person, like person sitting in like a little Lotus flower. So (laughs) I just, I just felt so strongly about it. And I, I started noticing things, patterns and understanding a lot. I mean, it brought up so much, um, in terms of, you know, the way I was raised and it just all goes back to childhood. If you've been in therapy, you know, this, and (laughs) I, I just uncovered so much about myself and it made me feel also so excited to work towards this higher self-worth person of it within me. I don't think anything has like drastically, drastically changed in my life. But I, what I think is, is like, I am more intentional and mindful with every decision and action I do. It's always in alignment with this higher self-worth person that I visualize in my head of, of of who is within me too. Like the other day I had this crazy realization where in one of the deep imaginings, which is basically what her like hypnosis meditations, she says like, imagine yourself 20 years from now. And like, what, what does she look like? What is she, whatever, what does she do? How does she walk? How she, what is she doing? And what's her temperament? And then it said, you know, now, you know, like, who is that person today? And it really, I was like, wait, I, I am that person already. That was what freaked me mm. out was there was this, 
moment of, wow, everything I've been wanting is like already, I'm, I can't choose to embody that person and that higher self-worth today. It's a choice. It's not going to be like when I get the big house, when I get the whatever, it's literally just a temperament and a disposition that you choose to, to walk through every day with. And so that to me was the most important revelation I've had through this whole journey. And yeah, I, I just feel it makes me so much more intentional with the actions I do. Everything is towards this higher, you know, higher self-worth purpose for me. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's so much clarity and it just, it, you, you, you learn so much about yourself. I've never learned so much about myself than through this manifestation work. That's so beautiful because I have been thinking about that lately. The The term higher self naturally implies that you're not there yet. It's, right. it's a version of yourself outside of you. Mm-hmm. And you have to keep, it's like this unattainable thing that you have to keep working towards to be your higher self. But I think you spoke to it so beautifully that you can be that right now. You are that right now. You are. And when you envision all the things that your higher self would have, they're already within you. Yeah. You wouldn't be able to imagine them up if you didn't already have them now. Exactly. And so I've tried to stay away from the higher self terminology to say like future self, if I'm mm. talking about that future self, mm-hmm. because yeah, it just it, it implies that we're not quite there yet, but I think you're so right. We are that now. Yes. And, and it's a choice. I think that's what I've learned is you like if I'm ever in a rut or I'm just feeling, you know, low self-worth, I literally just I just think back there's just a it's a little visualization I have in my head and you just tap into it and there is this sense of oh shit, like that is me. Like I I can do it. And it's this, you know, growth mindset. It's this grittiness. It's resilience. It's just kind of acceptance. I don't know. There's this calming energy that comes over me that I can always tap into. And I don't, I didn't know that I had that tool at my disposal. And I think manifestation Mm -hmm. taught me that. You said it so perfectly. Like it just gives you these tools that you didn't really know you had, but they're always there. Mm -hmm. And you have these tools to be able to tackle kind of anything. Mm -hmm. And I want to know from you how that has shaped the way that you show up on social media and with your community and in your podcast. Like, how has doing this work influenced that? Yeah. So I've been thinking a lot about showing up on social media lately because. I do it a lot <laughs> and it's very, very draining. And for anyone that knows about being on social media and trying to cultivate a community that way, it is all about consistency. And it's very humbling in the beginning when you don't have that many people <laughs> and you're kind of shouting into the void a little bit. But something I just keep coming back to, you know, it, it First of all, it took me a long time. I, I want to say that. It took me a long time to get very comfortable. And it all started with the podcast. I think I felt so comfortable on the podcast after a year. I, I used to tell my sister, like, we can't do talking heads on Instagram story where you're like talking to the camera. I was like, no, that's what influencers do. We're not influencers. And I had this incredible judgment and shame about that. And I started to realize like, no, fuck that. Like I have, again, I have 
great insights. I can be, I can do it my own way, right? I don't have to be like, hey guys, like welcome back to my channel. Like here's my, here's my HelloFresh, you know, whatever. I can be silly and insert my, my, my humor and my personality into it. And that felt so much more comfortable for me. Right. And that felt so much more natural to me. So when I started to do that, um, that and just kept showing up like I it's so hard because it especially as a entrepreneur and I can kind of talk about this is like I would not be able to do what I do for Camber if it wasn't for OKSIS like I had so much practice showing up showing up putting my face on and being uh, vulnerable on the internet not not caring if a, if a post gets like 10 likes or a TikTok gets like a hundred views, like not giving a shit about that. I've had so much practice that it just comes natural to me. So with Canber, I feel very fortunate that I have this comfort of being a forward facing founder because I've had so much practice. You know, my co-founder is very private on social media and like, she's gotten out of her shell a little bit with, with TikTok, but it's like, I am, you know, I am very comfortable in that realm. So I, and it's definitely aided us. Like it's definitely brought this sense of personal touch to the company. I think Hmm. there's a lot of pressure though, for especially female founders to be forward facing, like men are not really have that pressure. And it's, it's interesting how that has happened over the past year. Like every brand that starts today is, um, expected to have a forward facing, you know, female founder that, you know, is their own personal brand on, on, on their, on their side. Like for, Mm -hmm. you know, you have to be on like LinkedIn talking about business stuff and then you got to be in the Twitter shit. And then like, you have to show up on TikTok and show, and show your process and your BTS and your company. It's like, I try to do all these things and it's, it's very, tricky, especially when you're trying to literally run a company and then at right. on the side, try to be like a thought leader in the space. Honestly, it's just that I've continued and continued and just pushed through. Um, I've, I've struggled a lot with it. I, there have been times where I have deleted TikTok and just been like, this is fucking toxic. Like this, I am in a deep depression just because people are so ruthless on that platform and they will tell you what they (laughs) they don't give a shit about you and they will say really mean things and we've gotten tons of obviously great feedback and and positive comments but yeah that one negative comment really put me in a spiral and that also made me reflect inward like okay what why is this triggering me so much and Mm -hmm. I I think again with practice and how much I've had to deal with it like I it doesn't affect me as much. But yeah, so I guess my advice I would say is don't expect an ROI right away. I think a lot of people see, you know, people who go viral, but what you don't see is the months and months of content that was overlooked and that no one saw before things started to pick up. And it's really interesting because yes, last week I was in such a rut about social media and about just this, it was like a fucking hamster wheel. Like I just felt so, um, I just felt like I was on this hamster wheel and things started happening this week where like one person recognized me from putting myself out there. I don't even know on what platform, but they recognized me, 
um, and asked me to be part of this thing for Canberra. Well, that okay. Then there's someone that recognized me in the streets. Uh, oh, that was crazy. Some girl came up to me and was like, are you from Canberra TikTok? And I'm like, what? And I was like, yes. <laughs> it was so crazy. So it was just this moment, again, the universe, Miss Lacey, was giving me like little hints that it's working, right? You are putting yourself out there. Therefore, people are hearing about you slowly, slowly, and it just like kind of chips away. And so, you know, I was given this great opportunity with Camber to like join this like cohort of other founders. And they, I was like in their radar because of how much I just am like on every platform screaming you know, about what we're building. So it's just, it does, you just, you have to be consistent with it. It's, it's really tricky, but it's, it's the truth. It's one thing to go viral on TikTok and have like one video, have millions of views, and then people are never going to come revisit or follow you because of that one story that you told. But it's another thing to have that consistency and hundreds and hundreds of videos where people can find one element of what you do and then be really intrigued and get into it that way. Um and the more platforms that you're on, the more content that you're putting out, the more people are seeing it. And that's just yeah. like the numbers game. So I think that is so important. I want to talk about too how, you know, you already mentioned it, but how you navigated any negativity within. Mm-hmm. I know that you have such a powerful community, but within your community or social media, like how do you navigate those more challenging things? I hit like a rock bottom for sure. I think like a month ago, there was just like a couple videos that just kept getting really negative comments. Um, and was this when I asked you, I was like, how are things going? And you're like, <sighs> <laughs> deep sigh. Yeah, that was, that was the time. And yeah. honestly, I, in the moment, which I, you know, it, it's tricky. Cause I go back and forth between, being proud of myself for this, but also not, uh, you know, I, I like deleted the app. I, you know, went into a deep, deep shame spiral and just kind of like practice self care and basically like shut off my phone for a whole day and like, didn't look at social media for a day. And yes, that, that definitely helped to get some distance from it. But what I spoke about with my therapist was like, that was avoidance, right? That was me Mm -hmm. just completely avoiding what was actually triggering me. So I think what I keep coming back to, well, first of all, I told my co-founder, I'm like, can you look at comments? I'll do the TikTok and like you do engagement because I just, I think it's just not Mm. good for me. She was like, yeah, she doesn't care. She was like, fuck it. I know we're great. Like this person can whatever. And I'll just report them like, yeah. And I just, I, I think she just has a, thicker skin with that. And then she's also not the one on the TikTok. So maybe that's different, but I I learned a lot about avoidance and, um, you know, that's not necessarily the answer to completely remove yourself from these platforms. Because as you just said, like we do have this incredible community that's relying on us and, um, looks to us for, for cool recommendations. And also with OKSYS looks to us to keep you know, keep having these amazing conversations and being vulnerable. Like people are relying on us for that, for that. So I, you know, I did have to step away a little bit, but then I started having more fun with it, if that makes sense. So I started posting things that I really loved. And for instance, with 
with Camber, like people started commenting being like, I need Rex for a dinner party in LA for like 10 people, super casual. And so I like just responded and it was like before I would spend hours on a video on editing and doing all these things for TikTok. Now I just kind of like, it's very casual. And those are the ones that do well. It's been an interesting journey. I learn a lot about myself also, like in my response to certain comments, some of them, like there was another comment that was super shitty, but then I was like, yeah, fuck that person. And I just, I walked away, which I don't know, like, why did that comment not offend me, but the other ones did. So it's so interesting to just learn about, about your reactions and, and, um, to just not give a shit what other people think, which is very difficult when you're starting a business and you want people, you want users and you want, um, customers, like you kind of have to care what people Mm -hmm. think to some extent. So it's a really weird balance. When I hear about other YouTubers, influencers, founders talking about, oh, I don't care what people think, or I learned to care, not care what people think, there probably is still an element of caring because you do have to tailor your content to fit what people want. Yeah. Um, So I think you're debunking a lot of misconceptions about being a founder and having your own schedule and doing things for yourself. So I'd love to talk about any others that you would recommend for people to think about as they're starting their own business or podcast or social media platforms. Like, is there anything that you would warn people with, but also tell people how rewarding it is? Mm -hmm. I, I would say that I don't believe in really niching down. So there is a lot of, there's a whole narrative about you need to have a niche. You need to have a niche. Everything is too saturated. Like you need to have a niche. It makes sense to a certain extent. I think though, you can develop brand pillars that encompass everything that you're about. Okay. Sis to us has always been this celebration of how diverse women are in their inner lives, in their, you know, you do not have to be tied to one thing. You can talk about vagina sweat and then bipolar disorder in like one breath. And that is something we I've always Mm -hmm. preached. It's just, I don't feel Mm -hmm. it it comes back to that polarity. And I think women definitely are expected to like live in one or the other where again, it's just about this integration. So I always thought, you know, Oh my God, I don't have a niche. And it kind of even goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning where I was in my early twenties. Like I don't have that thing, that niche, that like specific thing that I'm supposed to be guided towards. My mind just kind of goes everywhere. And it feel I feel very passionate about so many things. I love romance novels. I love natural wine. I love business and entrepreneurship and being a business owner with Camber. I love podcasting. I just, I sometimes, I most times love to loaf around on my, on my couch. And like, I love interior design. Like there's, there's so many things. Why can't I talk about all of them? Right. So as you're going yeah. into this, like, yes, I would find your focus of like, what specifically do you want? You know, what do you want to talk about? But then keep it to those things. Right. So for okay, sis, our brand pillars are sisterhood, mental health, pop culture, and female entrepreneurship. And basically everything that you listen to on our podcast will fall into that. And it doesn't restrict us because that is literally, that's us. That's who we are. And 
I would say as you're, as you're thinking about starting something and if you care what people think and you're a little nervous about that, just know that they probably want, they are probably so excited for you. And again, you're going to find the people that, that actually want to support and be with you. So like, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't really post that much on my, in, my personal Instagram. I'm start, I'm trying to on my stories and stuff because I'm like, Oh, people like who went, who went to, I went to high school with follow me. And it's like, <laughs> like I, don't, I, I don't post anything on okay sis, but like with my personal, it's like, Oh, I have such different lives, but I've started to work past that where I'm just like, fuck it. Like, okay, this is something I came back to. I've gotten a really big rut with um, YouTube. And I was like, this is so embarrassing. I'm 27 years old on fucking YouTube. Like, I am not Anna Chamberlain. <laughs> like, I wish I was, but I'm just not. And this is so embarrassing that I'm starting this channel. And like, do people think I'm so weird? I'm posting on Instagram stories being like, new video, like new vlog. Like, do people like roll their eyes at that? Because I feel like maybe I would do that sometimes. I don't know. So I texted my sister. I'm like, I'm just, I, no one's really telling me this, but I just am so... I feel like I'm being judged. I just like, is this embarrassing? And she said to me, if in five years, if you imagine doing YouTube and continuing on it with five years, would you care about where you are right now? And it would, it like changed everything for me because it basically meant like, what if you had given up right now? And in five years you could have had, you could have been Emma Chamberlain. Like, you wouldn't get, you would have been like so mad that you quit at that initial point. So I think about that a lot, especially with even the podcast. It also with Camber is like, if I just kept doing this for a year or two years, like look how much I could have grown. And a lot of people get stuck in that first couple months or first couple weeks, even because it's, you're, again, you're not going to see the ROI. But if you put in the effort for years, like you're going to be so happy that you didn't give up, right? You're going to be like, fuck yeah, like I, I didn't give that up. And now look at this amazing community. Now look at all the shit that I have. And so I always come back to that. It's like, even if it's embarrassing right now, just think about what people are going to say when it's like two years down the line, you're fucking thriving and you're getting brand deals that you didn't even think were possible, you know? So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think back to, I think back to that notion a lot. And my sister is so good at, at that. You guys have such a great balance. And I assume that kind of translates to building a business together and a podcast. And when I was starting this as well, I was like, I just did a podcast episode and a blog post or a blog post. I sound like I'm 40. Like an Instagram post about how when I started, I was like, well, the people who want to come to me talk like talk about sex, like they're gonna be bored by the legal stuff. And when I go into mm. the legal stuff, the legal people are gonna be like, the sex stuff is weird and like out of my elite, you know. And then I realized that like embracing the polarity, the duality, everything that you're talking about, people are like, wait, I love that about you. I love that you're interested in so many different things. It gives me the permission to be interested in so many different things. And I'm sure that you're doing the same for so many people. That is so true. Like even in working on Camber, we were thinking of lawyers and we're thinking about raising money and we're hiring an engineer and all these 
things that are very unsexy, right? Like the sexy parts of Camber are be making TikToks, the branding, having fun with that, reaching out to creators, like all that is so fun. And what you realize about when you start a company, and I I had to come to terms with this because I really struggled with it. Even like the first month I started doing this full time, I was like, I don't love every part of this. And that was Mm -hmm. really hard for me to admit because I was like, wait, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to love it and crave doing it all day and like have no sleep and do it for 20. I just eat ramen noodles and like, like I just, you know, this whole narrative of what an entrepreneur is supposed to be like. And I had to come to those terms and say, Hey, I don't want to work 24 hours a day. Sorry. I also, there are yeah. parts of this that are really not fun and I'm going to still do them, but it's fine that I am not motivated to do these parts of it or I'm not, it doesn't light me up as much. I'm not supposed to be lit up all the fucking time. Like, sorry, I'm a human. And so that was really challenging because I was like, oh, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. You know, all the great things of making your own schedule and and being your own boss and all of these amazing parts of it come with a lot of heaviness. And my sister wrote a whole book on this called The Emotional Entrepreneur. And it's so true. I think a lot of people, mm-hmm. you know, discuss like when you think about entrepreneurship, you think of you know business strategy, product and, and marketing and, and, you know, you think of business things, but a lot of people don't talk about the emotional landscape and the turmoil that you go through to 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 get this thing to to birth this thing like it is so emotionally draining so i think i i had to i've, I've learned so much about myself in 5 months doing this full time that i i'm so surprised by how much i've learned and it's so fulfilling it feels so so deep and then it feels so light it's in, it's insane and my sister yeah. always says that like being bipolar has helped her be an entrepreneur because she is so comfortable with the ups and downs. And a lot of people are not, it's very, very difficult. And it's very, um, it's not for everyone. And I think we've definitely glamorized entrepreneurship, especially as women. And I just want, I guess I want to warn people that when you go into it, just know that there are going to be things that you do that one, you do not know how to do. I don't know how to do 90% of the things I do on a day to day basis. <laughs> I literally, I don't know how to do anything. Okay. And that's also really hard to, to admit. And so I am just kind of like, I just like Google things. And then I talk to people who have done things right. For instance, yeah. with this, inve- with um, raising money, I mm. have talked to every person I know that has raised money. I email tons of people, founders, entrepreneurs, anyone who will talk to me about it. I, t- I talk to investors. I'm reading this boring ass book called Venture Deal. Like I'm just, you know, it's it's not anything I know how to do. And it's honestly, it's like kind of boring and scary to me, you know, and that is just what it is. And so I, that's kind of what I would warn people is, is just know that there are going to be parts that you don't know, don't know how to do and also that you don't want to do and you're just going to have to do it. So well said. There are parts that you're not going to want to do, but 
they're out of devotion for your love for the business. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's like, it's like having a partner. It's like, sure, there are going to be some things that you don't want to fucking do for your partner, but you're going to do them anyways, because you love that person. It's the same way with a business. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, I, th- I think the part that you said about not knowing how to do some things, that is the beauty of it, because that's how you learn. And they're Every single CEO, founder, entrepreneur did not fucking know how to do most of the things that they did at one point. They all learned Mm -hmm. from somewhere. Mm -hmm. And it's about like, you know, not, not sitting around and waiting for someone to come and teach you and hand it to you. You have to kind of go after it and learn like you're doing. And that's amazing that you're doing it out of devotion for your business. You're like, I'm going to I'm going to sit down and learn how to raise money and invest. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be able to do it so much easier next time mm-hmm. if you have oh, to yeah. do it, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's awesome. I love that. Thank you. I am so proud to call you my friend. Oh, and you are just like such an inspiration for so many people. And I'm so glad that you mm-hmm. came on this podcast because. I learned so much from you and I'm sure that so many other people do and your openness and your willingness to kind of show up for yourself and for your business is so clear. Thank you. That means so much. I love you. (laughs) I love you. (laughs) Where can the people find you? How can they connect with you? Tell people, and what are you working on? What's upcoming? What do you want the people to know? Okay. Let's see. Where do we start with the many places that I live on the internet? So I think my Instagram is probably the main hub where you'll find everything at Maddie Mayo, M-A-D-Y-M-A-I-O. You can find OKSIS podcast there. Basically, there's everything in my link in bio. You can listen to the podcast anywhere podcasts are found. And then Camber, you can go to camberapp.com. It's also in my Instagram bio, but camberapp.com. You can download the beta app. It's publicly available to download the beta app and become a beta tester. So I'd love to hear your feedback and and uh, get you to you know put in some of your favorite places in there. But um, yeah, also follow me on TikTok if you want silly romance novel content. <laughs> I review I review romance novels on TikTok and it's it's a lot. It's awesome. Yeah. I go to I go to Maddie's TikTok if I'm like, I need something to read that's gonna turn me on. Yep. And then I'm gonna go I to have Maddie. a lot of those. Um uh, yeah. <laughs> and I'll have all these links in the description below. Definitely go check out Camber. I love Camber. I was looking at it for New York. Yeah. I was like And the podcast is incredible. And yeah, go follow, go check in with Maddie. Go check in with Maddie. That's Um, cute. I like that name. Check in with Mads. Like, check in with Mads. Should we make a new? I'm like, that's what we said in the very beginning of like, we're such idea people. Like, I think of all these ideas. I'm like, okay, do I need a new like TikTok series where it's like check in with Mads? It's like, no, I'm down. that's so true because i'm like how can i monetize this immediately like something new that i've done how can i monetize this new thing that i like that's also yeah that's also a that's like a epidemic in our generation it's like (laughs) we just like fucking ruin everything with wanting to monetize it it's just ridiculous (laughs) well thank you mads i really appreciate (laughs) you you taking your morning to speak to us the elevated empaths do you have any final words for the people you don't have love to. you. <laughs> love you. I'm like, love you. I, like, I wanted to say, I wanted to say something really profound, but I was like, yeah, my brain is. 
<laughs> love you. You gave a lot. You gave a lot. It was great. Yeah. Thank you, Mads. I love you. Love you so much. Thank you all for listening, my sweet Elevated Empaths. You can connect with Maddie in the links below in the description. You can find me on TikTok and Instagram at The Elevated Empath. Don't forget to subscribe, follow, rate this podcast, write a review, and let me know what you think about this episode and what you'd like me to talk about next. And I hope you feel so elevated and I'll see you next time.